This is the friend season. This is the friend season. Ask Adelaide and Anna. This is the friend season of Ask Adelaide and Anna. Welcome to Ask Adelaide and Anna. I'm Adelaide Jagade. And I'm Anna Ilet, and we are artists and friends. And today, and for our next episodes this season, we are joined by friends of Ask Adelaide and Anna and friends of me. And me. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hi, everyone. We are recording from under desks in different parts of the world. <laughs> yeah, I've started sharing a studio and I'm under this sort of coffee station table where I can sit relatively normally on the floor and cover with some textiles to hopefully make the ventilation noise like less prominent. My heater is blasting. I have open ductwork in my apartment and so I'm under my desk with like all the towels I have, a quilt, a blanket, a weighted blanket and I can still hear that thing. Wow, so maybe it'll be like a news season of white noise. I'll <laughs> <laughs> um, ask God later on it. Well, that's what we got. We were commissioned for the real show and, and we were supposed to travel to France to attend, record actually, to record in the space, which was going to be new because we haven't been together since October 2019. Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, we've done two seasons from our respective homes during this pandemic. And funny thing, we were like thinking, oh, maybe this season should be called the real season or the real life season. But, um, but no, what we have for you is the friends season. We decided to talk to our friends because the theme of the exhibition the real show has to do with ideas of popularity and populism and pop culture. The things that start with pop, kind of. Popular, populism, pop, pop, yeah. Yeah. And so in the past, we were always looking for, well, we, at times we were looking for wise people or for people who are in positions of power that can give advice that we can't give and have guests to help us answer the questions. But this season, we have friends that have good advice and knowledge and experience. Yeah, and kind of we wanted to make a very close season somehow. Yeah. Maybe it would be kind of with people we wouldn't mind having under the table with us. Right. Uh, so it's kind of advice from under table. <laughs> under table type of people. <laughs> people that you would make yeah. a blanket fort with. Exactly. Blanket fort. That's, yep. That, yep. I'm very glad you can put it in words like this because... That's exactly what we're doing. And I don't know if you can tell as listeners that like we're both kind of awkward people. And it's a bit less awkward when you know somebody. Because sometimes when we are talking to someone, it's the first time we're ever seeing them. We're on Zoom. They're in another country. We don't know them. Someone recommended to speak to them. And we've never met them in real life. Yeah, and with already with the internet delay, it just like, adds like all these layers of awkwardness. And I guess we do edit and somehow I think we make things sound less awkward, though, because we don't want to make people feel awkward listening or not that awkward. We're like just trying to make it sort of a nice experience after all. Yeah. So I guess we sort of managed to cut out some of the awkwardness while we're editing, uploading, <laughs> passing it on. Mm -hmm. But hopefully this will just in general be less awkward because at least one of us knows each guest and the guests are our friends but also friends of the podcast so like loyal listeners who volunteered to be on the podcast who know what we do and think it's cool think we're think we're cool maybe even <laughs> 
yeah, I'm very excited to introduce uh, our cast, and I'm also curious to both uh, meet people or talk to people again, and also meet new people. But I know it's sort of like approved by you. So when we when I was thinking about ideas of popularity. For me, as an American, a lot of those ideas, I think, come from movies. They're Like, as a child, when you're watching movies, it's already established for you before you even go to high school that there's popular kids and not popular kids. Because when you're in elementary, there's I feel like there's less of that. Yep. But, you know, when you watch American movies, there's, like, the cool kids table and then the nerdy table, you know, in the lunchroom and things like that. So... I thought maybe we could talk about how we, what kind of people we were in high school. Oh, it's, that's like a kind of an unpopular theme for me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's I I definitely agree. I I also automatically think of actually junior high school was like the I don't know maybe most unpopular, but it was definitely a time where I would um, where those things would be visible or you could feel them in your body. Which corner, mm-hmm. which table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that middle school is probably one of the times where you start thinking about how what popularity means and how people are perceived along those lines. Because, for example, when I was in, I don't remember what grade, but I was in a math class and the teacher was very vocal about like, she even let me skip some tests because she's like, oh, you know, all this stuff, like go in the other room and read or do whatever you want, which is really embarrassing in front of the whole class. And so then people started calling me and asking for help with the homework and in particular, like the most popular girl in the class uh, would call me and, and ask for help with her homework and or to explain something to her. And then one day I I think I wrote a letter. I, I used to write letters to people because I couldn't really ex- express my feelings vocally. Um, so I wrote a letter to the teacher about how people were using me. I felt like I was being used and it was really sad because people call me but just for homework and I didn't feel like people were trying to be my friend. And I had friends in the class, but it was like, you know, these popular people suddenly calling me. And um, I don't know what happened, but basically, like, that girl decided, oh, like, I feel bad, so why don't you come over to my house? And then she became one of my best friends for those two years, like, last two years of of middle school. Um, And I was hanging out with the cool kids, and we would, like, not do bad things, but, you know, I was a goody-two-shoes. And and she'd be like, oh, why don't you wear this crop top, or let's put on makeup, or let's walk to this boy's house, or things like that that I never did before. How are you aware of that sort of transition? Transition of myself? Yeah, because now it's very clear that it's like, okay, she was a popular one. and But you were probably, you were aware of it at the time as well. Or is it like think how you think of it now when you look back at what happened? I was aware that she was popular. I knew her from elementary school. But, you know, like when people go through through puberty, some people get more awkward and some people get more, I don't know, like they're butterflies or something. She wasn't quite. And it's funny because like when I think of people who are popular in middle school, they're not like people that would be in a movie or something. Like they they were awkward. They were you know, preteens with braces and things like that. But there's just some kind of confidence, I guess, that makes people popular and ease with themselves. Mm. People who aren't popular tend to be awkward in their own body or awkward, just awkward socially. Mm. So I I don't know exactly what would make some races, awkward puberty, middle school (laughs) student popular and another (laughs) one not, but that's how it happened. And also it's like not that popular to be good in school. Is it the same way in Norway? Yeah, it's the same. Though I think it's changing a bit. It's becoming more cool or popular to be good in school because that's how you get what you want later kind of thing. I have the impression that it's definitely changing. That's also a change of mentality because I don't think a lot of people when they're children or teenagers are thinking about their future. You know, like you said, it's 
a way, like being good in school is a way to, what did you say? Or get what you want later in life. Basically, it's connected to money as well. So I guess it depends on the age and of course, what kind of school you're in, you know, whether it's like um, what, what type of education and where the school is. So what does it mean to be popular as an adult? Like, what is that? I, I mean, I think of it as like in very many different ways. Because sometimes you have um, sort of a, a social network, uh, whether it's like career or personal. Like, there are like many different ways of being popular. Mm-hmm. And in which context. I remember when the internet came, came around. And I would hang out in these chat rooms and stuff. There were like some people in the chat rooms that were like seemed really popular in the chat rooms. And I would meet them and they would not be popular in that other physical world. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it's kind of similar as an adult that you have these sort of different um, stages or places where you can be popular or not or different types of popularity. I think often knowledge can also create popularity, especially in online forums. Just with me, when I'm thinking of like the foraging mushroom groups I'm in, as like the people who know stuff, I'm like, they're the coolest. Like the more that you know, the the more popular, the more uh, admirers you'll have. Yeah, and I think a lot of people might be popular online that aren't in, in real life. And that's the that's the appeal of, of the internet is that you can nerd out. Like, for instance, you said mushroom, yeah. you know, <laughs> mushroom picking forums. Or like for me, language learning, like people who have really good advice. I'm like, oh, wow. You know, <laughs> or people who speak lots of different languages and they have like tricks for learning things. But I was thinking about popularity in art. I feel like popularity in art usually has the same kind of feeling to me as in high school. Like in high school, when someone's popular, it's everyone knows who they are, basically. and But they don't really know them. Mm-hmm. Like there's certain things you know about them, like, oh, they're dating so-and-so, or they have a cool, I don't know, jacket, or... Yeah, the one person I think of as of popularity in junior high school, I just like remember her looks, her style, the way her t-shirt would like be on her breasts... And I would like imagine having the T-shirt being like that on your breasts. If only, then I would be popular. <laughs> and then the thing too, yeah, about middle school, like you're saying, is popularity could depend on like what stage of development you're at. If you still look like a child when everybody else is maturing, then even if you were popular before, you could lose popularity. Like I have a few friends that look like children until they were 16. You know, like they didn't, they went through puberty late, and then suddenly yeah. people treated them differently when they came back after the summer with the you know, yeah, yeah, adult yeah. body. Okay, let's translate the the adult body <laughs> into contemporary art. <laughs> <laughs> but as you said, it's kind of interesting, this like thing that, yeah, it's easier to, to talk about those terms when you don't know people. Like, if you know people, it's that just sort of doesn't apply. Mm-hmm. Though, I think, though, there is, like, a handful of people that are just really, that has a personality or has a charisma or some sort of thing about them that makes, like, people drawn to them. But that's still different than popularity within the sort of a professional field. When I think of popularity in art, I think of things that people who don't even really like art will know. So I think of like Jeff Koons, an artist where you can describe some work of theirs or some controversy behind their work and people ordinary, when I say ordinary, I just mean like non-artists <laughs> will know who they are. You could be like, oh, a puppy made of flowers or like a balloon, a metal balloon animal. And they'll be like, oh yeah, I know that artist. Or they'll have a, they would, they've taken a picture, a selfie with the, an installation by an artist or something like that. That's what I think of as popularity in art. Mm. Like people that, you know, there just seem to be everywhere. So kind of mixes with celebrity then. 
Yeah, I guess as an adult, since we don't have a, well, as an artist, I don't have a place I go to regularly where people can decide whether or not I'm popular within that place or group. It would be more, it's like a more of a public thing. Mm. I'm not popular, by the way. <laughs> me neither. It's like, it's, it's also such an awkward thing for me because I'm feeling like so many like cringy feelings thinking of it. Yeah. And we were talking off recording earlier about how we were in high school and we're not like uh thrilled with everything well we were both like really religious and judgy kind of yes i'm still judgy but in a different way oh yeah me too probably i mean even even still a bit religious so but a little better though like thinking about how lucky we were to grow up when we did because think about now if there were just like instagram posts and things from your childhood that you (laughs) wrote or that you said oh my god things being out there the stuff i would say the stuff that would be out there now i'm like oh shoot i just become a mother like i never my daughter won't be able to publish anything until she's like 25 at least (laughs) (laughs) yeah and understanding that kind of permanence of everything that you do being out there oh well we're really lucky yeah none of that (laughs) googleable So um, I was thinking of one thing that was going to ask you if there's anything I can do about this issue. When I've been editing our previous episodes, I realize I'm such a slow talker and there's like so much weird uh, unfinished sentences I have. So I'm wondering if it's possible to change. Like, because with the actual podcasts I listen to, I've noticed that some of my favorites are actually just people that are good at talking pretty quickly. You know, they get a lot of content across and they even move from one theme to another. And I'm kind of, I'm sort of like looping for 10 minutes. I'll be editing an episode of this. And I'm like, now I've tried to like, I've used four minutes just trying to get to the like start of a sentence. But I mean, those people do it all the time. I don't think they probably started out that way. You know, they probably went to, a lot of them went to school for it and they have a lot of practice like there's things you do that someone's probably marveling at how quickly you can do them but and then when i listen to myself i'm like i talk way too fast and most of our guests english is our second or third language and i'm like i hope everyone understands me because i'm just like blah, 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 blah. <laughs> oh it's so great oh okay at least that was a little comforting i just have to practice it's not makes you sound thoughtful you're thinking before you're speaking where i'm just like verbal vomit <laughs> Well, luckily we're getting some help editing this season, so we'll see if it makes us sound less or more awkward. We'll see. Yeah, please make us sound make us sound good. <laughs> make us sound cool. <laughs> Impossible. Yeah. Well, well. I mean, that's not why we're doing this, is it really? No. no. You still mm-hmm. you still listen to a lot of advice podcasts and don't you? Yeah. To a little bit to Norwegian and I have, like, my favorite, the Savage Love Cast, which is a sex advice podcast. Mm-hmm. And he's also really, like, ranting really fast. Yeah, he's good. And I'm like, oh, one day, another life, maybe. Do you consume any advice? I tend to read it in newspapers. Like, uh, there's some papers that I only read their advice column. I don't even remember the people's names, really. There's one, Ask Carolyn. I don't remember. But there's one I saw recently, I think it was in The Guardian, where where they gave advice and then readers could get, could make a judgment. Like somebody would write in and complain about their partner or something they do and they'd be like, who's right and who's wrong? So they'd have both sides of the argument. And then readers can say like, oh, you're being ridiculous. Or, you know, one of them was, I think my partner needs to help out more around the house. He just carries on as if we didn't have a baby. And, you know, my whole life has changed 
change and his is basically the same. Like he still does all his sports activities and hangs out with his friends and comes home at 8 p.m. or whatever. And then so it's it fascinating to see the audience rain judgment on that man. <laughs> wow, that's kind of terrifying. Yeah. I think like it's good to get like different people's opinions or like um, different kinds of advice. But at the same time, I don't want everyone's. Right. It's like sort of a limited number that I can reflect on. And it's also like when you get, you know, when someone just starts giving you advice, I think I tend to do this, that you didn't ask for. <laughs> it's just like, I didn't even ask you. Uh, <laughs> But um, yeah, I thought it was an interesting format because to me, it was, sometimes it was so clear who, quote unquote, was in the wrong. Mm-mm. And then the, the voting was almost 50-50, like, oh, that person, the, the other person's. And then hearing two perspectives, actually, like hearing when you hear one perspective, you're like, oh, my goodness. And then you hear more details because nobody's speaking badly about themselves when they're asking for advice. No, they're always talking about some other person that has a problem they need to yeah, yeah, yeah. resolve. Yeah. So it was interesting to see from both perspectives what people were saying. I'm like, curious to see, like, because uh, now for our um, friend season, when we're asking more people the same question, I'm really curious to see, like, what will happen. Um, we're talking to people individually, but see, like, how much things differ and where things overlap. Right. Where they contrast, maybe even. Mm. So you have to keep listening because on this episode, you're going to meet our cast of friends. My name is Khalil Robert Irving, and I live and work in St. Louis, Missouri, in the United States, and I make sculpture. What were you like in high school? Were you popular? It's crazy. The So much has happened the, in the last 11 years of my life that I kind of forgot and, like, zoned out of what high school and, like, early college life was like. I don't think I was popular. I went to a very small school, so everybody knew each other. But I was really coming into like the cultural effects that society has on young people. It like really hit me really hard in high school. So I feel like I was in constant change. I played baritone saxophone for three years and I started this process of making at that time. So like being an artist wasn't something that I knew about necessarily as an entity in life, but I started like building the foundation for that. And I just wanted to be in the art classroom making pottery as often as I could. And so I think even in high school, I was just as reclusive as I am now, but still excited to be around people as when I could be. It's interesting to hear you call yourself reclusive because to me you're one of the most outgoing like bubbly personalities that I know but I like to spend time by myself you know I've realized that I do enjoy being by myself or being with one or two other persons and like that being enough Mm -hmm. whereas like I think some people like outwardly see me like I'm always around a bunch of people and it's like a party you know, like a hip hop video. And it's like, my life is not a hip hop video. <laughs> my name is Kiyoshi Yamamoto. I do live and work in Bergen in Norway. I'm half Brazilian, half Japanese, a blend of everything. I'm like the nightmare of a Nazi person, you know, like all the races <laughs> together. <laughs> so that's me. I hated high school, but I went to a Catholic school, you know. I was an extreme feminine kid that did not really fit so well in that Catholic, like everyone looked like the same structure. So I was in there just to get my grades and and move on. So I have no friends from that. I mean, I was not also interested in making friends (laughs) at that time. I just want to move on and become an adult as SIP. 
I thought that was easier. But I mean, high school was not good at all. But also, I like more like the children's school. That was more fun. I don't think it was not that pressure that you have to be something. You just go to school every day and hope that soon it's two o'clock so you can leave. <laughs> <laughs> but high school is different. You know, you have that pressure. The most like coming from an immigrant family, you know, you it's not like, not about that, oh, you are having good at school. Did you have a good time? It's like, what about the grades? Are you good at this? Can't you read and write? I don't know how it's for people, but I think like as an immigrant kid, I just went to school to get grades. So that was the yeah. whole thing. My name is Eric Seth Jorgensen. I am the founder of Seth Jorgensen Contemporary. I've done pretty much anything you could think of in the art world at this point. But most people these days probably best know me as an advisor. But uh, yeah, I've uh, I've uh, done my own shows. I've written about art. I've been a mediator, an advisor for a long time now. I've uh, run galleries. Yeah, everything, basically. High school was very strange for me because I went to school in a place called Drammen, uh, junior high. That was like gangland wars, incredibly violent, criminal. People were getting beat up on the street all the time. I, you know, genuinely feared for my life most of my uh, time in junior high school. And it was known in Norway as like one of few like really, truly dangerous places to go to school in Norway, which sounds weird to people who uh, come from outside of Scandinavia, because Scandinavia seems like this safe haven for everything. Then at the last year of high school, I moved to Stavanger, which is on the west coast of Norway, and everything changed for me. And I realized that the world is really not what I thought that it would be. Because uh, going to Kongsgård in Norway, which is like the most left-wing, bougie, uh, hippie kind of place to go, was such a break that uh, for me it was like a complete culture crush. And uh, it really changed my way of thinking. Because uh, back then it was, to begin with, just about survival and violence and criminality and all of that. And then I came to Stavanger and it was all about like philosophy and what kind of music would be your cultural identity and uh, people were wanting to be authors and uh, my Norwegian professor was like the most famous literary critic in Norway and like encouraged me to start writing and all of these things and before that before I moved to Stavanger I'd never even considered uh, a life in the arts really uh, even though my family did have a background in it they ran galleries when I was a child uh, you know they put up works at auction. I was around all that, but it wasn't really until I moved to Stavanger that I thought that, hey, maybe this would be something for me. My name is Anneli Skogan, and uh, I am living in Oslo. About 10 years, 19 years after graduating from Konstvak. And uh, yeah, I'm an artist. I went to this uh, private uh, school, International Baccalaureate, and it was really like hardcore. And so I failed totally. I was quite angry, I guess, at that time and questioning everything and like criticizing. And no one did, didn't really want to listen in that school, at least, you know, they weren't really interested. Like you had to kind of just do what the criteria was. So it was like very little like showing your individuality or something or like philosophical thoughts because I was like very into you know like philosophy I read a lot and I, yeah like into art and opera and all that stuff so there was one teacher that really liked me like English literature so he was really like into me and he made me write all these different essays and stuff and that went quite good but otherwise I was like quite bad if we're talking about like popularity I felt like there were some teachers that really liked me like the Norwegian literature and English literature, so it was a bit like popular maybe. 
for them. But otherwise, I was like totally like, I don't know. I was just so like not in the in the thing somehow. I was like so yeah. I had so many problems and yeah. So I'm Lyndon Barwa Jr. I'm an artist and an educator uh, living in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, in the United States. Um, and I'm also Adelaide's partner that she references on occasion. And also friends with Anna. Uh, we both, we all met uh, at the Jan van Eyck Academy in 2018, was it? I believe. Yeah. What I was like in high school. Um, uh, just before high school, I'd moved across the country uh, to like a totally different new situation. Didn't know anyone and was, yeah, was a loner for a while. I think throughout school, since I moved so often, I went through different periods of like having friends and not having friends. In terms of popularity, like I wasn't like, you know, someone who was like very like well known or beloved, but I knew a lot of people. And, you know, my school was so big actually that like popularity was pretty relative, right? So it was, you know, like maybe like many places, it was like, uh, you know, people could be popular in certain circles. And the thing that actually got me any kind of like community or crew was through sports. You know, that was kind of sort of how I met people. That was how like I eventually, you know, was welcome at a, at any lunch table, <laughs> you know. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, to me, in my mind, I'm like as I am now, <laughs> you know, I'm like that was the same person always in terms of how I feel about being known or, you know, whatever that whatever that means. I was never interested in seeking attention. I was never loud or aggressive or like showy or, you know, overly stylish or anything like that. You know, I was just, you know, I had my crew, I had my friends, like, you know, people knew me and like liked me. But yeah, I, I wasn't like a, a standout from the crowd by any means. And what were you like academically? Uh, that was also up and down, you know, like I, I always started high and ended low, <laughs> you know, at, at like the different schools that I would go to. Um, so yeah, the same was in high school, versus, but that was probably the longest stretch uh, of, of being in one place uh, up until that point, really. Uh, so, you know, I started high and gradually like went down and down in, in terms of coursework uh, until I was, there was the threat of me not graduating. And then I like had a, a very sharp turn, uh, spike upward to make sure that my grades were good enough to finish. You know, it was, it was partially like laziness, partially like maybe not enjoying where I was, or like now, you know, just like so certainly prioritizing the things that I wanted to do rather than the things that I have to do. Uh, so again, I'm like the same person <laughs> in, in many ways. My name is Espen Birkedal. I live in Stavanger with my girlfriend, Anna, from Adelaide and Anna and our baby. And uh, I'm a cartoonist. Now I can talk about the, the days from 13 to 16 because that's like the I guess the more formal formal years the years that form you I was shy and like insecure but I also was like tagging and playing basketball yeah I guess guess most people are really insecure at that age and uh, I was like scared of girls because yeah the opposite sex <laughs> but I was like we had like a small group of like maybe outsiders that were more like thought we were cool but we weren't well what decides if someone's cool or not like the in general the opinion has to be that they're cool i think uh, there's so many like different groups in in that 
these years, like pre-junior high school thing. And there are like groups of like the athletes and like the the arts people and the people who like to shop. <laughs> and the, and our, our group was like really, really small trying to do like hip hop stuff, like watching MTV and being like the rap videos. No, I don't know. <laughs> and there was like clearly popular because of looks, you know, like these boys we knew were popular because girls liked them and the girls were popular because boys, every boy liked them. Like you said, you were really insecure when you were younger, but then were, were you sort of more confident then? Maybe 30, 28. <laughs> okay, so our friends that you now have met or been slightly introduced to will be the ones following us for uh, the episodes for this friend season. So what we've done for this season that's different from the other seasons is that we've um, divided the different questions into different topics. So mm -hmm. we'll have one episode for you with questions concerning work, one concerning love. Including self-love, loving yourself. Yes. Actually, maybe that's the bigger part of it. Mm -hmm. And home. And we'll see uh, if there will be some extra French vibes in the end. We'll we'll see what we'll get that. And think about our guests as a cast. So we are thinking about not not directly the the show Friends, which is very popular. I've met so many people who have learned English by watching Friends. But we are thinking about the idea of a cast um, that reappears throughout the season. We used to have episodes that where one person would or two people would appear in an episode and then you wouldn't hear from them again. But um, we decided to ask everyone a sprinkling of questions so that they could, for the most part, appear in other episodes. And as you'll hear as well, several people addressing one question. So you really get kind of a even broader perspective on the different questions. And then one thing, I mean, as you can see in this episode that you just listened to, most of us were unpopular in high school. So... It's interesting to be able to reflect back at, I think, a, an age and a distance where that those feelings maybe don't hurt us anymore. Yeah, I think well, the conversations we've had with our guests as well, it's it's interesting to see like how how people seem to have changed or not have changed, but still seem a lot more at peace today and what they were in those times. The questions we've, re we've received for this season are largely dominated by art-related questions. So actually, whether they're, um, they are related to work, love, or home, most of them still have a, seem to have a link to uh, working within the arts or related to art. And sometimes it can be hard to even look at a question outside of that framework just because the majority of the people who are writing us seem to be artists. And so sometimes, you know, you'll see in in later episodes where we have to kind of reframe a question to imagine the person isn't an artist or... Yeah, I was like, oh, really? Is that even possible? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Still, I think it's kind of uh, interesting how, like, when we ask for people or, or ask people to submit questions, it clearly seems to be the thing, though, that it's probably art-related questions or it is that which is sort of our expertise or at least experience. Obvious, I guess, that that's what people uh, would like our reflections on. Yeah, I think part of the reason for that is that in if you're if you have like relationship questions, there's a lot of 
advice already out there. There's a lot of podcasts. You can ask people in your life pretty easily about that. If it's something to do with home questions, you can like complain to a friend and get advice on that. But when it comes to working as an artist, I don't feel like there's a lot of access to some of the information we want to know. Mm -mm -mm. And sometimes it can be embarrassing to have to be the person to ask that question. Like, how do I get a solo show? You know, these kinds of questions that we get. You might not know who to ask. You might be too embarrassed to ask somebody. Um, You might feel like it's something you should already know. I'm actually often when I've been reading a question, I'm like, oh, I'm so happy that we get to talk about this because maybe it's stuff I myself have been thinking of or uh, just find it awkward to address sometimes. Yeah. So it's kind of a definitely a self-help as well, just going through these questions that we receive. And we're so happy to receive some really good questions. So thank you to our listeners. Yeah, thank you. I'm especially excited for the question in the home episode that's upcoming. Um, where we talk about, you know, someone had wrote us and is asking us for advice about their indecision about having kids as an artist. Mm. And that's something I don't hear a lot of people talking about. Usually, you know, it's just you have friends that don't have kids, and I don't tend to ask people why if they want them or anything, because I don't want people asking me that. And then there's no. people who have kids, and then sometimes you hear about their struggles. I think it's kind of good to that it's sort of because there are certain things like you don't ask people because it's rude. Mm -hmm. We think we hope we've really gotten like a really good mix of perspectives. And also when it comes to some giving advice on some things, uh, people have wildly different perspectives. Like I'm thinking about the love episode and people's different reactions to the question about flirting tips. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think what's kind of funny about this season as well is that because we know most of the people that we're that are friends of the podcast or us, that some things are like um, revealed about us as well um, that can be a little embarrassing or interesting <laughs> at times. Yeah, it is interesting having this public platform where things that I just usually talk about with my partner end up being like I end up talking about them with you and with other people. And and then it makes me realize how little space there is that is for that in my life. Like, when would we talk about these things? Mm-hmm. You know, like, when would a group of, of artists be talking about these topics? Yeah. Like, the things that have to do more with private life or personal feelings or feelings of envy or things like that that we've talked about in the past. I don't feel like I have conversations with people and they're just so upfront about it. I think the anonymity of the podcast allows people to submit questions that maybe they would never say out loud. Yeah. And then automatically when I read a question, it's just reading the question often acknowledges like a feeling or a situation and that makes it easier for myself as well to like, okay, yeah, definitely I see myself in this. What do we do about it? Yeah. Whenever I see a new question appear in our question form, I feel really grateful that somebody trusts us enough to address it. Yeah. And took the time to write that. Yeah. Because these aren't these aren't frivolous questions, you know. No, I, I think though it's kind of a. I mean, you could think of us as like free therapy, though. Maybe not therapy. I mean, we're not educated. Oh, I don't want the responsibility. No, no, no. Okay, I take it back. <laughs> well, basically, giving someone attention, and that's kind of nice. Like yeah. someone spending time reflection on something that you want to have addressed. And I think it would be nice to have more of that in real life too, if we all felt more comfortable to ask people. You know, for, if someone's ambivalent about having kids and they feel more free to, like, approach you in person and be like, hey, how did you decide? Did you always know you wanted to have a kid? You know, Mm-mm. like I've, I've spoken to a lot of older women about 
who don't have kids about it because I was like, hey, do you mind if I ask you this question? And I've spoken to a woman who it just never happened for her. Like she always imagined that she would have a kid, but then she never was really in a relationship where it ever came up, you know? Mm -mm. And then another woman who deeply, deeply regrets not having children, but she, she also was never in a situation where it made sense. And then time just slipped by and she spent a lot of years being really like grieving about it. Mm. But like since has found other ways to, I mean, obviously not replace that feeling of loss, but you know, to find joy in other things. Yeah, I'm really glad we get to talk to, so, about some of these things. Yeah. It's kind of luxurious for us as well, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think most of the questions are things that are feel so relevant to me as well. Yeah, and me as well. And I, I also feel honored to be able to give my opinion on things. Because, you know, sometimes you don't say something because, like, well, no one even asked. <laughs> so I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> but I was thinking about anonymity. Because as we admit ourselves as well, that we can be kind of judgy. It must be kind of nice to be able to ask us stuff without us actually knowing who we're being, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. talking back to. And we'll probably, hopefully, we'll have some kind of um, freedom in being able to like listen to our advice and reflection without having to reply to that answer to it. And another thing that's interesting is the amount of speculation that we have to do when you don't have enough information. You're like, well, maybe this person, well, maybe they, well, maybe, you know, it's just like a lot of guessing. Yeah. Um, this time we did do something different where we allowed people to provide contact information if they were willing to elaborate on their question. And that really helped, especially with the question about vanguarding, because, it, um, you know, it's a very complicated question that's asking multiple things. Um, so I added a little bit more in there for clarity about that. Apart from some advice, I think sometimes we also go on rants or talk about personal stuff that somehow connects or somehow doesn't connect to the question. You know, even at the points where you where there are tangents to the question, I think it can still be enriching to learn about somebody's experience or their thoughts around, like what the train of thought that brings them to another point from the question. So please enjoy our our friends. The Friends season of Ask Adelaide and Anna was commissioned for The Real Show at CAC Bretigny, curated by Agnès Violo and Céline Poulain, and is supported by OCA, the Office for Contemporary Art Norway and Stavanger Municipality. Thanks to Anna's neighbor, Benjamin, who was so kind to record his cats chatting for us to use in our jingles this season. Thanks for listening.